holy name of Jesus, amen. I will not go, the boy answered, but later he changed his mind and he went. This is our text because our world is all about change. Once we thought the world was flat, then we knew the world was round, but now it is said that the world is flat again. The world is so interconnected, so small, that we must run hard just to stay in place. The world is flat because it is changing so quickly. Your cell phone has changed into your camera and your PDA and your iPod. Now if you only knew how to use it. In politics, in business, in technology, in science, education, and theology, it's always all about change. Lead change, manage change, make change, see change, change or die. And we, of course, have been going through our own changes here for years now. We talk. What shall we do? Shall we buy land? Shall we move? Shall we change? Shall we build? Shall we take the stained glass with us? And then there's always lots of speculation in those meetings about how you all will accept change. Who will be in and who will be out? Who will rejoice in change and who will suffer it? In one of those meetings, one of you who is very clever leaned over to me and said, don't worry about the change. It's not change that bothers people. It's disappointment. It's loss that bothers people, not change. And that gets it absolutely right. None of you would be complaining had you won the $250 million in the Mega Ball jackpot last week. Though that would have been a change for you and for us when you tithed on it. <laughs> I know of a guy who won a new car every year for the rest of his life on the Lawrence Welk Show. That was a lot of years ago. And all through those years, it never seemed to bother him going to the dealership and changing out his car year after year after year. And none of you would be ruined if your kids began to do exactly what you told them. You might be shocked, but not ruined. That would be a change, and you would be thrilled. It is not that folks hate change. It is that they hate disappointment. It is that they hate loss. Change is not the issue. Loss is the issue. Which then brings us to the gospel for today. If Jesus means anything, Jesus Christ means change. In Israel, they have never, ever seen anything like this. They have never seen anyone who can heal the sick and raise the dead, anyone with the gall to turn over the tables in the temple. He withers a fig tree just by cursing it, and when he teaches, it is a change. It is not like the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus teaches with authority. So Jesus is all about change, but that is not really what matters to you. What matters to you is this, is Jesus all about loss? The scribes and the Pharisees certainly think so. Jesus, friend of sinners and tax collectors, is a change they will not stomach. For them, Jesus means loss. 
It is loss of the old way of doing business in the temple. It is loss of their hold on the people. It is loss of their worldview, how they see themselves and how they see others. We are holy, they are sinners. They see that Jesus just will not let you work your way to heaven. The prostitutes and tax collectors who know that go first. Jesus will not have anybody saved by being good or doing good. So one day, in a peak, they hang him up to die. And now you, this morning, you are faced with precisely the same dilemma. You are the boys at home on the couch with the chips and the remote, and somehow you got yourself a new beta version of the Xbox. You are very comfortable Your daddy is rich and life is good. But suddenly your father comes to you and you are put to work. You are not asked, you are told, go to work today. And now you must decide, does this change mean loss for me? A short aside, so you do not think I am promoting some sort of decision theology. See the text. These boys are sons. These boys are family. These boys are already in. These boys are free. Theologically, these boys are Israel. They are believers. These boys are the church. And so these boys are you. Like you, these boys are already part of the family business. They have already benefited from what happens in the family. And now it is their chance to rejoice further in the opportunity that their father puts before them, that he might have some good use of them, that he might draw them deeper into his goodness, and in doing that, they might come under their father's authority. Or they can refuse it. And as you consider all this about them, but especially about you and about me, Let me observe something about people, especially about you and about me, especially about church people. First, I've never bumped into a problem in the church or in the lives of God's people that would not have been solved if everyone would have gotten up off the couch and gone to work the Jesus way. And second, I suppose, is the flip side. I am stunned in you and in me, I am stunned by how often we repeat the same old sins over and over again, the same old sins over and over again. No change. Over and over again, back on the couch, unmoved and unmoving over and over again, the same old rebellions against God's authority, even though you and I both know that it is crazy to do the same old thing over and over again, and expect a different result. You and I, we say, we are tired of stress in the church. But does the church change? You and I, we say, we are tired of sins in our family. But do our families change? And more critical is this question. When the church does change, And when your family does change, do they change in the way of Jesus Christ? I know that change means loss, but you must consider not only what is lost, 
but also what is gained. And wouldn't you like to lose the troubles of the church and the sins of your family? Wouldn't you really like to change? Maybe this will help. I will not go, the boy answered, but later he changed his mind and he went. You who are sharp and have been around here just a little while might know that one of the normal words for changing in the New Testament is metanoia, the word for being turned round about, or repenting. And that, of course, is what you might expect here, except that's not the word that's used. Here, the word that is used for change is the word for remorse. And so the story goes something like this. The boy said he will not go, but deep down he knows better, and that eats at him. It eats at him to be rebelling against his father. It eats at him to be out of step with his family. It eats at him to be disobedient. It eats at him to be and to do less than his master, his father, his Lord, bids him to be and do until he feels so horrible, so lost, so convicted, so out of step that he changes. Still at the invitation of his father, still at the father's bidding and work, it is a yes even though it is a delayed yes. And with that change comes a loss. And this is very important for you and I to understand With that change comes a loss. This boy loses his independence. He loses his own way. He loses his own will. He loses his own leisure. The loss, the loss means change, but not disappointment. Because going to work today means that he regains his father, he regains his master, he regains his Lord at point number one. And he also regains his sonship, his servanthood, his family, as he learns to live at point number two. So it turns out that this text, all about the authority of Jesus Christ, is actually about his gospel authority. It turns out that this text is really about remorse, contrition, confession, and forgiveness. It is about being sorry and then being restored. It is about second chances. This is a story about the marvelous stretch of our Heavenly Father's grace. So patient is he with us. So if you are weary... If you are weary of the status quo and you could use some change, if you are weary by the same old stresses in the church, if you are weary of the same old sins and troubles in your family, if you find yourself caught today in something less than real life, good news! You can lose all that here today. And in losing that trouble, that remorse, the sin that so easily entangles us, You gain your heavenly Father. You are restored as his children. And once again, you've got a place to play. His vineyard, it's yours, with family and friends 
and work that he gives you to do, work that gives you honor and dignity and purpose. So you lose, but you have hope. Strange but true. In your father's house, losing means hope. All the gifts of the vineyard are yours, all that the Lord has to give. The father gives him himself to you, but only through his son. And his son gives himself to you, but only through his spirit. And his spirit gives himself to you, but only through his word and his sacraments. So now then, up off the couch, ready, the feast is prepared. All of this, all for you, all free, all forgiveness. You, grateful for a father who bids you come, who changes you, who forgives. Losing what is evil, gaining what is holy, drawn under our Lord's authority and restored to our proper place at point number two, giving us work to do and using us well in his service. This is the church. It really is joy. And with the joy, hope. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.